Welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend, but on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love our neighbors, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll join us because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Welcome to episode one of the Good Question Podcast. I'm so glad you decided to click play on this episode. I've been thinking and praying and planning for this show for a long time, and it is so exciting to finally have it out in the world. Today, I'm talking with a good friend and mentor, Frank Jordan, about the heart behind this show, Asking Hard Questions. I do want to give you a little heads up. I'm still brand new to recording and editing a podcast, so the audio on the first two episodes is not the best quality. But the content of the conversations is fantastic, so I wanted to bring them to you anyway, in all their imperfection, because I believe they'll bless and encourage you. And if you can hang with us for a few weeks, I promise it gets better. We are working all the time to ensure that we continue improving the quality of this show for you. Well, that's enough from me. Without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Frank Jordan. Today on our first episode of Good Question, I've invited a good friend and mentor of mine, Frank Jordan, to chat with me about questions. Why do they scare us? How can we ask them safely? And how can we respond to questions that make us uncomfortable in ways that draw other people closer to God rather than pushing them away? Frank Jordan is the associate pastor of Word of Flame Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. He is an anointed preacher as well as a wise counselor and a mentor of mine, and I know that you're going to enjoy this conversation. Frank Jordan, welcome to Good Question. Jessica, thank you for having me, and thank you for that very, very kind introduction. I'm really excited to have you here. I'm really excited to be starting a podcast. It's a dream of mine that I have been thinking about and planning for for several years now. And once I started to get some clarity around what I wanted the show to be and what I feel like God wants me to use it to say, your name was automatically at the top of my list of people, not only to have on as a guest, but just in the the first tier of people in my life that I reached out to and told about this idea and somebody that I, that I gave some veto power, if you will, to say, if uh, you don't think this is a good idea, I don't want to do it. That's how much I trust your voice in my life over the past 15 years. And I'm really thrilled today on this first episode that I get to introduce you to our potential listeners and um, let you share some of your wisdom with them as well. Well, well, I, I appreciate that. And listen, this is a great platform for you because of your talent, your skill set and, and your, your, the way you process your thinking. 15 years ago, when you came into my family's life and our lives, you teamed up with my daughter, my oldest daughter, <laughs> Renee, along with then uh, Bethany Springer. She's since married and 
and Tanyel at that time, Jackson, and a couple more. And you guys came and started asking all these incredible, deep, probing questions for which I was so unprepared for. You guys were, are, are so smart. And so this is a natural progression for you. And it's, it's going to be a blessing to all of your listeners. I, and I feel like uh, not because I'm a guest, but as you move forward with other guests, it, it's going to be a drawing and people are going to be impacted and blessed by you. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, I appreciate that. So to get us started here today, I want you to just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background, who you are and what you're about. All right. I am Frank Jordan. I am blessed to be married to this lovely lady named Connie. And we've been married now for 36 years now. And uh, we have three beautiful daughters, Renee, who's the oldest, middle daughter, Allie, who's my favorite. She's my favorite because (laughs) she has given us two grandkids, Madeline, who's three, and Langston, who's 10 months. And then finally, we have Chanel, who's the baby, who is a uh, junior in college. I have have an incredible son-in-law who's coming to our lives. He's an Army Ranger, uh, Army Infantry Officer. His name is Jamel. I've been in and around the military, working with the military for 35 plus years. I've been in ministry since 1995. I started working in ministry, worked in three different churches. I enjoy, my wife and I both enjoy mentoring with its married couples, uh, one-on-one with people, younger people, we enjoy that part of ministry, the one-on-one part of it. And yeah, I'm from South Louisiana. I love to eat. And yeah, and I love to eat. And I love to eat. <laughs> Don't we How's all? That? <laughs> yeah. Well, here on this first episode, I was hoping that you could help me establish the groundwork or the foundation of what this show is going to be about. I'm titling it Good Questions. And Mm -hmm. I've chosen that title because I truly believe that when we know Jesus and when we depend on his word, that there really aren't any bad questions. God is not scared of our questions, that he can handle anything we come up with, anything we can throw at him, and that the answers are there for us to find in his word. And over the past 20 years or so, I have run into countless young people like me have had questions about things. Maybe things that happen in the church or things that are happening around us in the culture or even things that are just going on inside of our own heads and our own hearts. And a lot of times um, they and I haven't felt comfortable or safe bringing those questions up with other people in authority. And what I have seen happen over and over is when people don't feel safe in those environments, they then turn to other resources and other places to ask their questions. And more often than not, unfortunately, I've seen that lead people down paths that take them away from God rather than closer to God. So I just want to start right here and establish a baseline. Is it okay for Christians to have questions or are they dangerous for us? First of all, yes, it it is okay for Christians to have questions. Second Corinthians 13 and 5 says it, in fact, says it like this, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. And and this is from the King James, New King James Version. He says, test yourselves. Well, you can't have a test without questions, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Do you not know that you you yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you unless you are disqualified? But he says, he says, examine yourselves. And what is it? The Greek philosopher Socrates, he says, he says, an unexamined life is not worth living. It's not worth living. So 
So yes, it's it's okay for us to ask questions. Again, Jesus asked questions of his disciples and he allowed questions to be asked of him. We go back to the Old Testament. God didn't disqualify people just because they asked the question. Questions are important because questions are the key to opening locked doors. Questions give us the answers that we need and they, they have the ability to increase our effectiveness because once we are, once we've, we've got the answer, once we've settled in our heart and our mind, then we become more effective in our witnessing and, and fulfilling the mission that Jesus Christ put us here on earth for. So, you know, you, when you ask the right question and you get the answer, it, it can empower us. I love that. I love it. So if that's the case, why is it that we are sometimes scared of questions? When you say we. Well, we? okay. So I know that for myself, whenever I've come up with something that I feel like is not, is not going to be taken well, or um, a question that I, that there are questions that I've had that I feel like I, that I'm viewing a situation much differently than other Christians that I know. And I'm a, Internally, I'm afraid to ask the question because I'm afraid that asking the question indicates I don't have enough faith or that something is wrong with me. Okay. So again, just because we have a question doesn't mean that we don't have faith. It just means we don't have the information that we need or the information that we desire. We're just like, we're just, we're just lacking information. I mean, just think, think about this. You, you, you go to the doctor, right? And the doctor asks you questions. Why? Because he wants to know or she wants to know what's wrong with you. But how would you feel if you went to the doctor and that doctor didn't allow you to ask them questions? That doesn't indicate that you have you don't have faith in that person's medical skill. It's because you're lacking information. You're wanting to, to better understand what's being given to you. You want clarification. Just think about this. Abraham, who's the call, the father of the faithful, who carries that, that moniker, that title, asks questions of God. And God didn't say, hey, don't call him that. He asked me questions. Moses asked God questions. David asked God questions. Uh, currently at church, we're doing a series, and the title of our series is, hey, God, because I always <laughs> have those hey, God moments. Hey, God, what are you doing? And, and it comes from the book of Habakkuk. And which is a which is a book about questions. And in the first seven verses, Habakkuk hits up God with, "Hey God, are you listening? Hey God, why all this trouble? And hey God, why why is evil running rampant? You know." And and but God doesn't say, "Okay, you know, when you put together this this holy writ of mine, you leave out Habakkuk because he didn't have any faith. He didn't because he asked questions." Mm -hmm. I think we need to kind of put that out of our thinking a little bit that. We can't equate asking questions with having a lack of faith. It's for clarity. It's because we lack information. It's because we want to know. Look at look at it this way. In Judges 6 and 13, the angel of the Lord comes to a man by the name of Gideon. Says, Gideon, hey, I'm going to use you. In fact, he calls him, you mighty, in the King James Version, it says mighty man of valor. Other translations says mighty warrior. And says, hey, you're going to, I'm going to use you to deliver my people. He says that to him. And, and here's Gideon. He's hiding out. He's hiding out. He's basically a coward. And, and, here, and here's what Gideon says in, in verse 13 of Judges 6. He says, oh, my Lord, if, if the Lord is with us, 
why then is all these things befalling us? So why is all this crazy stuff happening to us? And, and oh, by the way, where are all the miracles that, that we've been told about since we were little kids? You know, and Gideon, right. Gideon asked that question. He says, you know, you, where are all the miracles that happened when you brought us up out of the land of Egypt? But, you know, but now it looks like you've forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the, of the Midianites. In other words, he said, hey, God, what's going on? But God, you know, the angel of the Lord and then go, okay, Gideon, you know what? I'm done with you. All you got is questions. I need someone, a man of faith. No, God, God says, okay, that's fine. And, and by the way, God doesn't even answer. He says, I'm going to use you. And so why are we afraid of questions? I think because sometimes for, afraid of, of, if it's afraid of being asked a question from a leadership perspective, I could say that sometimes it's because they challenge us and mm. they, they potentially expose us as leaders, mm. as leaders that we don't know everything but we've put forth the premise that we do and we are afraid of being exposed as not, of as not being as knowledgeable as we portray ourselves to be and, and and also it could be because we're not as prepared as we should be hmm. or or maybe this the answers make us uncomfortable and and, and i think about this also in, in our in our faith tradition jessica we 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 have we are so geared toward the faith the what we would call the move of God, an emotional experience. And so when we, we you know, we, we say if you, if you pray the right prayers, if you live the right kind of life, if you give the right amount of money, and it's not, it's not that we, we intentionally put forward this, but it kind of, it kind of comes out that, right. you know, every, everything will be well and you won't have trouble. You won't, you won't experience trouble in life, which is, contradictory to what Jesus said when he said in this life you're going to have trouble you're going to have tribu- you're going to have tribulation and so so we have this process and we have this technique and so when the process and the technique doesn't work when the the worship around the altar doesn't produce the miracle when the giving doesn't produce the miracle when the prayer doesn't get answered in the way that we want to now we we're stuck and so now, right. and so and so the questions come, hey, you know what? I prayed, I prayed, and my baby still passed away. Why? And it's me. Right. We're afraid of that. Right. I think when you were saying that we're so tied into our emotional experience, it just makes me think of that balance of spirit and truth. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that there is, there has to be a balance. Our experience of God does involve our emotions, and there is sometimes just a deep knowing of something from the Lord that we can't explain to someone else. But there's also knowledge and truth that we have to pursue. And like you said, if we don't have the answer, if we don't, if we can't look at a situation and immediately be able to connect it to something in the word and to understand, asking those questions helps us in our pursuit of truth. I yeah. think a lot of times as apostolics, we, we take that verse and say spirit and truth, and we, and we tie that truth piece just to salvation or baptism mm-hmm. or something like that. But that's, that's all truth. Um, that's, all, that's all true, that, that in, in this life, we're going to have tribulation, and sometimes there's no answer for it. It's just, it's, it's just life. It's a point for man to die once. We don't like that. We, we, we love to go to Hebrews in, in the faith chapter, and we read those first verses of Hebrews 
where you know I mean all these incredible things but we, we, we stop when we get to the bottom where and 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 some were cut in half and some right. were fed to line you know and and it's like right. oh, oh that doesn't fit and so we don't we don't want to talk too much about that and uh but but I I I, I will I will say this questions are not dangerous in and of themselves but I think it's the attitude in which the question is asked that can become dangerous. And, and in other words, you know, are we coming to God with a question or a leader with a question? Are we coming in sincerity? Are we coming in cynicism? Mm-hmm. You know, are we are we coming in humility? Are we coming in pride? Are we coming because we want to grow or because we got a gotcha question? Mm. And then that's that's when questions become dangerous when we come with the wrong attitude and the wrong spirit. But you know. Questions, questions are so powerful to me because, and, I, and man, I'm getting emotional. I don't even know why, but they have the ability to cause a complete mental turnaround for a person. Not a mental, not only mental, but emotional. Just think about Job, the life of Job, for all for two chapters. You know, I mean, for well, well, let's back up. Job asked God these questions, and then for two chapters, God doesn't answer him except to ask him a ton of questions. I think it was like 77 or 81 questions or something like that. <laughs> you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and Job has begged God for answers to some tough, heart-wrenching questions. You know, he's lost his houses. He's lost his land. He's lost his wealth, his health, his children. His wife is telling him, just curse God and dies. Life, his wife is, in other words, lost faith in him. And Job is coming to God with all these questions and he wants answers. And all God does is give him, again, I think it's 77 questions. You know, but by the time God is done questioning Job, Job has a new view of himself, but he has also a new view of God. And he's, you know, it's like, God, you know what? I'm going to trust you. Man, I, wow. It, it puts it put everything in a whole different perspective. Hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. I think about, you know, I have a five-year-old and some of the questions that she comes to me with, some of them are deep. And then some of them are so, so simple in my mind that it's hard even to break it down for her and explain uh, because there are just fundamental truths about the world that, you know, as an adult, that when you have to actually like stop and break it all the way down to the level of a five-year-old, it, it takes you a minute and it, and it takes a second to stop and actually think about, all the the building blocks of what you know and how you got to that point. But if she never asks, she'll never know. And if I don't stop and take the time to go back through all of those little pieces of information that I have that add up to the answer to her question for her, she's missing key pieces of things. And so I think what you said about humility, you know, it applies on both sides coming with humility and with sincerity to ask your question and then, like you said, if you are the parent or you are the leader, having the humility to not be too embarrassed to break it down for someone or to admit when you don't have quite all of the information. Or like you said, if you're not quite prepared, I think humility all the way around is is the key. So so let's go back to your first question. Uh, and, I, and I'm, I'm maybe paraphrasing. You said, is, is it OK for Christians to have to have questions? And, and so let's think about that in, in terms of. When your daughters come to you and they say, "Hey, mom, I have a question," you as a parent or Dave as a Dave as a as a dad, it's not going to say, "Get out of here! You you don't have any faith. What are you doing?" Asking <laughs> questions. 
Mm-hmm. No, no parent in their right mind would say something like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, so God being our father, how much more does he want us to come? Because he wants us to know, just like you, you want your girls to know. God wants us to know. And why not come to the one who knows the end from the beginning, who is the ancient of days, who who laid the earth on its axis, who laid the foundations of the world? Why not come and ask him? He knows. Yeah. And he loves us enough that he he wants us to know. I love so, that. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I think about questions, too. In, 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 in the second question, can they be dangerous? I, I guess they are. They, they can be dangerous, but they can also be revelatory. The, the very first question in the Bible was, God, when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, God comes and he says, Adam, where are you? Where are you? And, uh, and that caused not only a revealing of a physical location, but it also caused a revealing of a spiritual location. They were away from God. Mm-hmm. And, but, and, and, but the remedy could not come until the question was answered. And yeah. Adam had a different view of himself. So, so questions, can they be dangerous? I think so. Yes, depending on the attitude that we come with. But man, I, I would prefer to think of them as being real. And, and they, they help me to grow and, and see where I am. So that, you know, if I am away from God, if I have done something that's displeasing to God, now I can start on the journey home or, or, or repairing the relationship. We might have hit this already, but the the concern that I've always had as a person who's grown up in the church and who, who does sincerely want to please God and wants to be right with God, when I've seen other people go down a path of asking questions like that, I like I said at the beginning, has led them farther away from God. I get concerned in myself about things like the reprobate mind that Paul talks about in Romans 1 or things like mm-hmm. blasphemy or heresy. I've joked for years that you're someone that I can call whenever I have a hard question because I know that you you know my heart and my sincerity and you're not going to think that I'm a heretic. And I say that in jest, but in in all seriousness, that concern lingers in my mind sometimes that if I start down a path of, of questioning maybe the way that the church has traditionally handled a certain issue or something that I that I see that I feel like I see in the word, but it's I don't hear it preached that way or I don't see it taught that way that I'm going off track and that I need to rein myself back in. So how can we continue in a way that's healthy, obviously having the right attitude and having humility, but is there any other advice you would give to someone who does have questions to help them kind of, is that a concern I should be worried about or is that something that, that shouldn't be a concern? Well, again, I think it goes back to what we've what we've kind of already talked about, where it, uh, it, it it's all about the attitude. It's all about how we come with those questions. And just because we have a again, because we have a question doesn't make us a heretic or and it doesn't make us a, a reprobate. Remember, the Pharisees asked Jesus questions and Jesus, man, he, he just got all over them because of the attitude that, that they came with the uh with their questions because they didn't come to really wanting to know right mm-hmm. they came because they they wanted to it was a gotcha moment right and so nowhere in the bible that i am aware of and i'm not, i'm not a scholar 
does it say that asking questions makes you a reprobate, all right? Being a reprobate involves rejecting God after having an intimate relationship with him. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, you said, you know, your love for God was driving you to to know. And I think that's that's the thing, you know, our love for God drives us to ask those questions because we do want to know. I, I want to be able to give an answer to someone who's asking me of, of the hope that's in me. But I want to do it in, in, in a way that uh, that they can grasp uh, without all the the lingo. And just because, oh, I'm, I'm treading on dangerous ground here. Now, <laughs> the, old, the, the old story, just because mom baked it in that pan, baked the meatloaf in that pan, and she cut off the ends, you know, <laughs> well, why are you, why, why are you, why are you doing that? Well, I don't know, but that's mom always did it that way. Well, you know what? But there, there's an underlying reason right. why mom did, did it that way. And so sometimes, you know, we're wanting to know the underlying reason of right. why. And so you and I come from different generations. My generation, very patriarchal, very authoritarian. You don't question authority. Mm -hmm. That's not so today. If we don't make a way for people to ask questions and have those questions answered as best we can, then, then we're going to miss a whole generation because they didn't grow up in my generation. They don't understand it like I understood. Mm -hmm. Or not to say that my generation was better or right. It's just that it was my generation. That's the way things were. I think that that's really at the crux of a lot of the angst that I felt over the years is that I was taught such a respect for those in authority, which I am thankful for. I do not fault my parents for that at all. I think that that was an excellent way to be brought up. But having that kind of ingrained in me from birth, mm -hmm. I do think that whenever questions have come to mind, there is a concern there. I want to ask this. I want to know the underlying reason why we're, why we do this this way or why that this is taught this way. But I don't want to come across as disrespectful. I don't want to come across as rebellious. And so I, I personally, and I, and I've spoken to a lot of other people, I think who have this same experience, um, that the, the, the struggle moves to, to our internal world. And so then we wrestle with it ourselves for a while. And unfortunately, like I said, some people never are able to resolve that between themselves and the Lord and their leadership. Mm -hmm. But what I have found over the years is that whenever I take those things to the Lord, that often he puts someone in my path that can help me figure out the answer, or he re reveals something to me in his word that helps me understand better, or he gives me peace to rest in that obedience mm -hmm. to leadership until I can find an answer. Yes. You mentioned Romans 1, and I think it was verse 28. And, and in that verse, it says that God turned people over to a reprobate mind because they did not, and the King James Version says, they didn't retain God in their knowledge. There was a dumping, if you please, of God from people, mm -hmm. right? And, and so when you, you mentioned that it was the, your love for God that was driving you to these questions to knowing. And so that's not a reprobate mind. Just because you ask a question about a theological position or a church tradition does not mean that 
that you are reprobate. A reprobate has cast God from their knowledge completely. They're not even asking questions. They don't even want to know. They just, mm. they just, they just done a, a God dump, if you please. Mm. Mm-hmm. And 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 so I think we need to be careful and remember, you know, hey, you know, I do love God. It's okay to say I do love God, but I do have some questions of why this is being done or why why is this not happening? Those questions are allowed, I feel. And then the Bible tells us, it clearly tells us uh, in Second Timothy that we ought to study to show ourselves approved to God, mm-hmm. rightly dividing the word of truth. That involves asking some very hard and difficult questions. Yes, it does. Correct study, proper study involves the asking of questions. And that doesn't mean that you're a heretic. It doesn't mean that you're reprobate. It just means that you want to show yourself pleasing to God. Right. And I and I also think that the way that we work out our own salvation is through examination and mm-hmm. and holding up the things that we say that we believe and examining them by questioning them and, and making sure that uh, we we really do believe what we say, that we're that our lives are in line with what we profess and and that all those things are continuously in harmony and not conflicting because to do so would damage our witness you know when we say one thing and do another we don't do ourselves or anyone else any favors and so I have found personally that the way I can examine myself and work out my salvation is through asking those questions of the Lord and then in a safe space with people who understand where I'm coming from and can help me talk through those difficult absolutely topics absolutely absolutely so whenever whenever we were younger, myself and your daughter and the friends you mentioned earlier, <laughs> we did come to you with our hard questions. And you uh, you told us that we were giving you a headache and <laughs> and making you work yeah, hard. And yeah. but but you were a safe person for us to go to. And do you have any advice for other parents of young people or youth ministers or other leaders? If their young people do come to them with difficult questions about any advice you would give them for how to respond in a way that did help them feel like they were in a safe place for those questions. I, yes. First of all, I think, as you mentioned with, with your daughters, you, you want to, it's a, it's a place of humility mm-hmm. that, Hey, first of all, I don't know everything biblically. It's, it's okay to ask questions and, uh, I say this. It's all about relationship, and the best experiences with God are built of flow out of relation. And so, if we want to build healthy relationships with one another, we have to be vulnerable. It's okay to be vulnerable and allow ourselves to allow other people to be vulnerable with us. And and but we've got to be vulnerable with it. And I would say that we need to be authentic. Mm. There are no in, infallible people. There's only an infallible God. So I didn't ever feel like y'all expected me to know everything. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't even think that you guys even wanted an answer to me half the time. I didn't <laughs> you know, because you guys knew I didn't know. You, I mean, y'all knew. But y'all needed just a place to go yeah. and to just discuss and debate and talk it out and open with one another and, and not feel like you were going to be vilified. Right. Uh, and, and I think that's, that, that's, that's important. Just giving people safe places because 
leaders have those same questions. And I think it's important for leaders to understand, you know what? We are responsible for the growth of, of this person. Mm. We're, we're responsible for the growth of this team. You know, and so if I say to you, Jessica, don't come in here with those questions. Then I have to ask myself, well, well am I limiting the growth of this person by refusing to answer? Mm. You know, what am I doing? What, what kind of atmosphere am I creating? Am I creating an atmosphere of growth or am I creating an atmosphere of fear? Right. And which one is more conducive for growth? And it's okay to be, it's okay to be uncomfortable by questions that you don't know. Again, I don't think anyone expects us to know all the answers, but then it puts us on a journey together. And I can say, hey, Jessica, hey, Renee, let's go on a journey together and let's discover this together. And, and, we'll, and we'll both grow. I love that. It just kind of became clear in my mind while you were talking that you said we didn't always want you to have an answer. We just wanted a place to talk about it. And I think that that does go back to that. We felt safe in knowing that we could start down this path and ask these questions and have this discussion. And if you were involved, we weren't going to get too far off track. If we started going down a path that was the wrong way, you were going to rein us back in. You were kind of the guardrails on our discussions that we trusted you kind of be there with us in that, to sit there with us in the question and work it out if we could, or, or at least if we couldn't to keep us from heading down a road that was going to take us away from God. I really hope that I can be that for someone else and that like you said, that all of us can have the humility for those coming up behind us. You know, that's what discipleship is, right? That we're helping someone else on the road. The the, the writer of Proverbs, in Proverbs 17, 17, it says, a a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. And so we we bring that into the the scope of of, of this questions and asking good questions. Well, you know what? I'm going to love you no matter what. I'm going to love you, Jessica. Even when you're struggling, I'm going to love you. And I know that you're going to love me. Mm-hmm. If, uh, you're, you're, going, you're, you're going to love me when I have these deep probing questions and I'm struggling in life. All of us need that safe place where, I, where we can go to and say, you know what? This person is going to accept me for who I am. And then a brother, and then we could change it up a little bit and say, oh, a sister is born for adversity. What's adversity? Sometimes adversity is not that you lost your job. Adversity is not that you have cancer. Adversity is that you, you're having this faith struggle mm-hmm. in, in your spirit. You're, you're struggling with, with the culture of the day. Living, you're, you're, you're fighting this, this culture war because you come from this culture, but now you maybe come into the church, and which is a whole other culture. And there's a war going on between the two cultures mm-hmm. that you've been exposed to. Well, that's adversity. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when you've got to have a brother or sister that comes along to help disciple you and say, hey, you know what? I know you're in a fight. I know you're in a war, but I'm here in the war with you, to fight with you and alongside you. Yes. And I think that's important. I think that's important. I think it is as well. So then on the flip side, when we're talking about a young person or even an older person, who does have these types of questions and they don't know off the top of their head of someone that they can call to talk them through. What kind of advice would you give for someone if they're looking for somebody to, to talk these things through with? What, what kind of person should they be looking for? What are some traits they should be looking for? We've mentioned humility already. You, you, you're going to look for someone who's authentic. 
someone who's real, someone who's real. I mean, and you and you can kind of tell people who who are and who aren't. Someone that's not going to put on airs. You know, you want someone that's trustworthy, mm-hmm. that that has a reputation for being trustworthy. They're not going to they're not going to put you out. They're not going to put all your business, as we say, mm-hmm. out on the street. Someone, that's someone that you can trust. So someone that's authentic, someone that you can trust, someone that that has exhibited Christian character. And maybe it's from afar. You know, you've noticed them from afar. Their their prayer life, the way they treat the way they treat others. I have these things that I live by at work that I go by at work. I guess they're my code. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there there are six things. Number one is trust. And and I tell our team, I said, hey, this is what we're going to be about. Okay, and this is who mm-hmm. we're going to be about: trust, respect, accountability, competence, and kindness. And, and the acronym, or not the acronym, the acrostic is track. Mm. If we if we do those things, we'll stay on the right track, right? The last letter is E for excellence. That's the track we want to stay on. We want to stay on the track of excellence. But to stay on the track of excellence, we've got to be trustworthy. We've got to be respectful. We've got to be accountable. You know, we've got to be competent. We've got to be kind. And if we do those things, we'll stay on the track of excellence as a team and we'll fulfill the mission. And so... When when I when I interview prospective team members and I interview them, I'll bring this out and we'll talk about it because I want to see where where they are. And and as so also I'm scouting out people when I if I know I have a opening coming up for my team, I'm starting to look and I'm starting to scout for people that I think that I've seen and I've worked with, interacted with that that might be great on our team. And I'm looking for these characteristics. And so I think. When you have, you have some things that you're looking for in a person, you have that code for your life, and you use that to find that person. It may not fit them all, but they fit a lot of me. And that's the kind of person you want on your team. That's the kind of person you want sitting at your team. That's just a great code to live by in every scenario, whether it's family or home or church or wherever, mm-hmm. staying on the right track. Well, is there anything else that you had to say about questions that we haven't hit yet? I think all of us will struggle at times in our walk with God. Where should we go when we have those questions? And, and maybe you, you haven't found that safe place. Maybe you haven't found that safe person. You can always go to the Lord in prayer. Mm-hmm. And I have found that, that in times when I didn't know, I couldn't find the answer, I went to God and God would give me an answer or a direction because we all come to those places think about john the baptist i mean he has this incredible relationship with god jesus says there's no man born greater than john and so he's he's the cousin of jesus and god speaks to him and says hey you're gonna this is my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased and you're baptizing him you're baptizing the messiah and all these things that have happened john is experiencing and then john is thrown into prison right Mm. We know the story. John, John, Luke, Luke seven. John is thrown into prison, and he calls his disciples and he says, "I want you to go to Jesus, and I want you to ask him if he's the one." John has a question. John, John the Baptist, Jesus said, "Who is the greatest man?" Mm. Has a question. Mm-hmm. Has a question. And and John, all the great experiences in life that John has been through, how God has used him. John still has a question because John is in their birthday right now. John is in prison. Mm. And so he sends his disciples to Jesus and, and he says, hey, you know, we, John wants to know, are you the one? Are you the one? John goes straight to God manifest in the flesh. 
I want to know, are you the one? And God manifested in the flesh, Jesus Christ, the express image of the invisible God, the mighty God, says to John's disciples, you go tell John all that you've seen, all that you're seeing. Blinded eyes are being opened, the lame are walking, those who are deaf are now hearing, dead people are coming to life, the gospel is being preached. And oh, by the way, I also want you to tell John, you don't be offended in me. Mm-hmm. Don't be offended, John. Because the next, because maybe, maybe the next question out of John's mouth is, well, you know, you're doing all that for them. Why are you not going to do it for me? Hey, I'm your cousin, dude. And Jesus says, you know what, John? Yeah, you are. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have your head cut off by hair. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough one. Yeah. But John the Baptist had doubts, had doubts, had questions. And Jesus answered him. He went to Jesus and Jesus answered him. Go to God in prayer. God will speak. Amen. God will, God will speak. I want to read to you a quote I found. I want to share it. It's from a book called Letters to a Young Poet. It says, I want to beg you as much as you can, dear sir, to be patient toward all that is unresolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms and like books that are written in a very foreign tongue. Do not seek the answers which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. You know, and, and, and for me, when I read that, I thought, man, that's, that's, that's the faith walk. You know, yeah. I, 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 the, sometimes I have these questions and the answers are seemingly locked away, but I'm going to live in the question in pursuit of the answer. Jesus said, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, but when our questions drive us or when our questions are driven by hunger and thirst, Jesus promised that we would be satisfied. Yeah. So you know what? They, they may be locked away somewhere. But if I live in them in pursuit of them, I'm always in pursuit of God. I'm always in pursuit of a deeper, more abiding relationship with him. In time, the questions will be answered. And I won't even notice that they're answered. Yeah. But they will be answered. The answers will come. But it's a faith journey. Yeah. I think sometimes the, the question is just there as a catalyst to, draw, to, to, to draw us to a relationship with God. And then the answer becomes completely irrelevant. Because it's actually so about no, us being closer to God. So is there really, we could say it like this, we could surmise it all and say this, you know, it's not really a bad question. It's all about the attitude of the question, the spirit of the question. Well, I will keep that at the forefront of my mind as we continue with this show and with the other guests that we have coming along to talk about some of these hard questions more specifically, making sure that we stay in the right attitude and ask our questions in humility and sit in the answers or in the lack of an answer and and know that sometimes the point is just that we're drawing closer to the Lord through the question itself. We are planning on ending every show the same way. And so I'm going to let you be our guinea pig here for this. This last question can be serious or it can be less serious if you prefer. But to close us out, I want to ask you, what is a good question that you're asking these days? Wow. Oh, you caught me flat-footed on that one. <laughs> wow. What, what is a good question that I am asking these days? Hmm. You know, I, I, I ask, so, so here's a question that, I, that, I'm, that I guess I've asked a lot of 
pastor friends this question. What is the Lord speaking to you about 2020? Mm. That's one question. Another question I'm asking this in light of the fact that we are no longer operating church as normal and usual. What is God saying to you going forward of how the church should function? Those are excellent questions that I think a lot of people are asking in 2020 as we wrap this very strange year up and have seen our regular way of doing everything turned on its head. The greatest innovations in life flow out of questions. We are communicating by through technology, and this technology came because somebody asked a question, is there a better way? Yeah. So can we do church a better way or a different way, but still have the same effect? I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate more than words can say. You got me choked up a couple of times in this conversation and you've given me a whole lot to think about and just be warned now. I will almost certainly Mm. be asking you back on in the future uh, with some of these other questions that we come up with um, because you are one of my favorite people to have these conversations with. And I love and appreciate you and your family so very much. Well, well, not just because, not because, not because I had the honor of being your first potential guest, because you could always just, you know, like just hit the delete button <laughs> on this podcast, uh, but, but because it, it, it's true. You're one of my favorite people. My girls all know it. My family knows it. So I've enjoyed this immensely. Thank you so much for this incredible opportunity. I've enjoyed myself immensely. And thank you for evoking thoughts that will help me grow in my relationship with God. I appreciate you. I I hope so. That is my goal. Wow. First, just let me say, if you're hearing this message, that means you've listened to the entirety of our first episode. And I am so, so grateful. You giving us time out of your day and letting us be in your ears is a gift I do not take lightly. I loved so much of this conversation with Frank. And for anyone who is wondering, he asked me not to call him brother or pastor or reverend. So I'm honoring that even though it feels super weird. (laughs) Going forward here on the podcast and in my personal life, I'm going to be remembering that the key to staying on the track of excellence is to pursue trust, respect, accountability, competence, and kindness, and to always approach asking or answering questions with an attitude of humility. I'm so, so thankful of what he mentioned there at the end, that even when we can't find someone to talk through our hard questions with us, we can always go to God in prayer. Another little fun note for you, he didn't realize it, but I was already familiar with the quote that he shared from uh, the letters to a young poet. His daughter, my friend Renee, who we referenced a few times in the episode, actually sent me a card with that quote on the front of it when I moved to New York after college, and I kept it pegged on a bulletin board next to my desk for years. So hearing him read that quote, it just felt like coming full circle for me in that moment. And I just wanted to share that with you to let you know how excited and happy I am to finally have this first episode out there for you all to hear. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Good Question. You can follow the show on Instagram at Good Question Show, and you can follow me at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. If you liked what you heard today, will you share this episode with a friend? We'd also love it if you'd leave us a rating and a review 
And make sure that you subscribe to this podcast in your podcast app of choice so you never miss an episode. We'll be back here next week with another good question. I hope you'll join us.